Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. As part of a mentoring collaborative with Uganda Christian University's journalism program, today's interview is conducted by a student in Mukono, Uganda. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Hope Talks, where we tell stories of transformation. This is Enoch Wandrema from Uganda, Africa. It's pleasant to host Yokoshifat Odidi, who will share with us what it's like to live with sickle cell anemia, not forgetting the collateral challenges during this reign of this wild beast called COVID-19. He's a student of journalism at Uganda Christian University in Uganda, Optimism and courage define his character, but all these are overshadowed by his opinionated radiation, thus the nickname Professor. You are welcome, Professor, if you please call you so. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay. Uh, how has been life? It's been tough because of the lockdown and everything, and studying in a lockdown with the online education. But obviously, when you pray to God, things come to pass, you know, and it makes it easier for us. So that's basically how it's been. Yeah, I understand you've been doing exams or exams. Yeah, exams were kind of tough, but obviously we have to go through everything. We have no choice but to live, you know, to live on and do those exams and finish them. Otherwise, there's no way forward. But yeah, I had to complete them and now I'm just waiting for results. Okay, now Jeho, tell us about your experience of living as a sickle cell anemic in Uganda. It's a very hard experience. It's traumatizing. First of all, they, we should talk about the uh, the stigma behind it. The way people look at you when you have sickle cell disease, how free you become with sharing it with people. First of all, for me, growing up, I've always wanted to be like an extrovert. I wanted to be free. But the thing is, when you have sickle cell disease, you can't do that because you don't want to share it with anyone else. You want people to look at you as a sick person. So it becomes very tough for you. Yeah, so that's basically it. Stigma, fear, and hopelessness, you say so. Uh, how does it feel? Well, it, it feels like you're being embarrassed all the time, you know? Everywhere you go, you feel like you can't share it with anyone. You can't share it with your friends, you know? You feel like when you tell people out there about your condition, they will look at you in a different way, you know? And it will become very tough for you to continue with life. And it's very painful because you didn't ask for it. You just want to live normally. You see people doing different things. You can't do them. You get So it's very hard. So, yeah. Is, is, is there a scenario where you, you, you felt embarrassed? Yes, there's actually many. There are sometimes when I would get uh, attacks in class. And people would normally look at me as a normal person. When I get those attacks, people start, be, start assuming that I have other conditions that I don't actually have. And then they start talking about it. And after after that moment of having the attack, people will now see me differently. They start talking to me in terms of, are you sick? Why are you sick? What are you sick of? They, don't know. they, they stop looking at me in terms of, oh, Jeho, you're a brilliant child. Oh, you know this, help me with that. You're very cool. Come to me. Come to our party this weekend. They, don't, they stop that. They go towards uh, my health. They focus everything on my health. You understand? Yeah. So how do you, how did you cope up with the, with such a condition? Well, 
the support I receive from the people who I can trust, like uh, my family, my friends, uh, some lecturers, they really supported me. Even my teachers in uh, primary school, they've always been there to uh, guide me through all this. When I, when I would fall down, they were always there to keep me. And obviously there was prayer. The church has really been close to me. My parents have really introduced me to church. So whenever I pray, I feel like my problems are solved. Even when I'm in the deepest uh, pain, it helps. You know, because uh, at some point, obviously when you have sickle cells, you are liable to attacks. The pain is always there. You can't handle heat. You can't handle cold. You can't handle some foods. You know, and it's it becomes difficult. And at some point, you feel like, how should I live on? Because now, ah, come on, how am I supposed to live on when I can't eat some things people are doing? So some things that some things people are eating. You get, I want beans, but no one accepts me to eat beans. I want pork, but no one accepts me to eat pork. You get, it becomes painful. I see my friends playing uh, basketball, football, table tennis, and I also want to join them. But people close to me won't accept me. The doctors will tell me, oh no, that will give you an attack. It will stress your body. We want you to live a long life. But if you do those things, they will stress you and it will bring you down. So what has helped me to live through that is the support I've been receiving. You know, when someone, I, when I opt for, when I, when I cry that I want, like when I was a kid, I used to cry that I wouldn't play football with my brothers. So my mom had to buy for me a console with FIFA so that I could at least play FIFA. And it made me happy. And through that, I've grown as a person. That's touching. Let's talk about uh, the specific condition and attacking Christ. How would, how would you go about that? Well, when I was a child, um, I didn't know what attack, an attack meant for me. You know, when it would come, my parents were also not aware of it, you know. Being parents is very hard. You... You don't prepare for such a situation. You don't prepare for a child to have sickle cells, you know. So whenever I would get these attacks, and I would say, Mommy, that the pain is in the stomach, the pain is in the leg. And they would, when I tell them the stomach, they would think, oh, maybe you need to go to the toilet. But when I go to the toilet, nothing, you get. So they would wonder, what is wrong? What is wrong? What is actually wrong with this child, you get? So they would wonder. They don't know what the attacks feel like. It wasn't until my P7, when I was in class, and then I got the same pain, and I just couldn't handle it. I fainted. So my uncle, who is a doctor, picked me up and took me on a border to, uh, to a hospital, his hospital, where I was treated. And that is when I discovered that, oh, these pains were actually sickle cell uh, attacks. I've been wasting my time uh, hiding behind chairs. When these pains come, I would go behind the chair and hide to console myself, you know. And I wouldn't get any help. But now that I've learned, it becomes even more painful because you could have handled it back then. But now it has become it has come too far that it's even getting worse than it used to be, you understand? So um that was the first thing, understanding the dynamics of psychosal uh, attacks. Then secondly, was how people looked at me in class now. They were like, What went what happened? You missed the whole time. You missed exams. How are you going to catch up? And that would leave me behind. I would feel so demotivated. I would feel like I haven't done anything at all in my study. But because of the support I have, been able to move on. Earlier on, you spoke about uh, uh, wanting to be an extrovert, and then you also 
pointed somewhere that uh, your mambo which you are concerned with FIFA mm. to play games to illustrate what would be outside. Yes. Is this the way through now? I want to be out there and laugh and smile with everyone. But I can't do that because I fear. I fear if I get close to them, I may expose myself and, you know, and I don't know how it will uh, act out. Even right now as I speak, I don't know how it will end up looking to other people who hear this. But I'm just coming out to what? To bring it to you. I used to be an extrovert. I wanted to be that kind of person. But when I was introduced to video games, I was brought into a, a, a kind of situation where I had now to escape these uh, fears through video games. I could go into my room and play video games the whole day. And I got used to that. And in that way, I become... I become a closed person, you understand? So that's that, that has been it ever since. And doesn't this affect your social life? Yes, it does. Awfully, it does. Um, I also want friends, you know. I want lots of friends. I want to be happy. But first of all, um, I've figured out that it's not going to help me if I am quiet, you know. If I am not approaching anyone else, it's going to hurt my social life. Secondly, um, nothing is going to happen if I what? If I stay indoors and play video games, you know? If you add that to the fear of stigma in the public, you know, the people I express myself to, the fear of that stigma, if we add that to my seclusion, we could create something that's different, you know? Like that it makes me feel like I want to be alone all the time. Understand. You emphasize fear of stigma. Has anyone ever made fun of you on this condition? Not or maybe someone you trusted and then they betrayed you in a way? Not really. The thing is, I fear that when people learn about my condition, they will look at me in a certain way and when they, they will start telling me things like, Oh, Jeho, your condition, I said about it the other day. These people with your condition don't normally live to 15 years. So you may die before 15. And it would scare me a lot, you know. So I'd be like, eh, this is what I'm going to get out of telling people that I have sickle cell. It's going to be hard for me. So why don't I just take myself away from them? You get So that's what brings about the stigma. You know, the fear for this stigma. I fear it now. I don't want to express myself to receive this stigma. Uh, well, well. Well, you may seem to have a privileged coping mechanism right there. Though, on the other hand, what do you have to say about other people in Uganda who live with this condition? Hinting on whether you know of an organization that brings people with this condition together in uh, medical or social support. Okay, let me begin with people who are suffering with sickle cells in Uganda. Yes. It's hard going to hospital. I think I'm actually lucky. When I go to hospital... My mom starts to cry because I look so different from them, you know. The way I've been brought up has been different and it makes me feel bad, you know. The people out there who have a chance to have better lives, who have a chance to look good, you know, in terms of physical structure. But then you can see that sickle cell has ravaged through their lives, you know. It's visible. You can really see it in their faces, the pain. The, the sunken eyes, you know, the Dion in their eyes, it's visible. You can see their pain in their faces. And it's painful to look at, you know. 
because I, I guess it's mostly this is a result of fathers leaving their families. You know, when a father learns that his child has sickle cells, he goes to another woman who he may not give birth sickle cell children with, you know. And now this mother is left to struggle with uh, the sickle cell uh, affected child, the sufferer. So um, the lack of funds, you know, the distancing away from distancing away from them, it makes it hard for them. So sicklers really suffer. I can give you my own experience. I used to, um, I used when I was a kid, uh, my uncles would come to my home and tell my mother that um, when I get married, I don't want to get married to a woman like you who gives birth to sick children. So they didn't, they didn't like me because. You know, in Africa, they want an heir for uh, they want an heir for the legacy that's going to be left by your father, but they don't want that legacy to be left for sick children. So they advised my father to go and marry another woman. You know, go away from her. That woman is dirty. She she will she give you sick children only. You know, so that was a very painful experience for me, and I suspect that even with these are sick sicklers, it's the same thing. You know. It could be the same thing. But luckily, my father stayed and we've been moving on. Now, let me talk about the situation of the organizations. I haven't really heard of an organization that uh, talks about, that has made sickle cell a real campaign, that has made efforts to really, to really kill this, uh, to really settle the, the question of how are you going to live on with sickle cells. I haven't heard of any organization. But there are doctors out there who are willing to help. Even with UCU's Health Awareness Week, they make sickle cell uh, a really big deal, you know. So that's very nice to hear about because it's it gives me courage to live on. Because at some point in future, there will be someone who will look at the sickle sicklers in Uganda and be like, "Let's help these people." And uh, uh, do you have any other family member with with such, or maybe a sibling, a sister, a brother? Well, I think in my entire family, the extended family, it's only me and my little sister who have the sickle cell trait. The rest are just uh, carriers. You can find carriers around. And how do you think your sister copes up with this? Because you have had the experiences and you know how to go about it. That emotional attachment mm-hmm. and the pain, how does she go through it? It is painful to watch when my sister gets uh, attacks. You know, when I get an attack, at least I can stand up and walk to the clinic and then get attention very fast. My sister, she's so young. She can't go, she can't do anything yet, you know. So I feel really bad for her when she starts screaming. She wakes up at night screaming and the pain is there, you know. You don't know what to do at that point. How do you go to the clinic when you are having a lockdown, you know. There are many restrictions. How are you going to explain to people the girl is dying, yeah. And you can't do anything. And it's, a, it's very painful to watch. It's traumatizing. And I wish sometimes that it wouldn't be like that, you know. What do you do to hand then well, well, your immediate reaction? What I, The only thing I can do is uh, tell her how I used to handle my things. So take her, her mind off it, you know. Tell her, I, how, tell her how I used to handle this, the pain, so that she can get tips, you know. For example, I can give her breathing exercises. She can learn to that. I can give her music to listen to so she can take her mind off the pain. And it helps, but 
not that much, not that much help, you know. The pain is still obviously there. Did you as yourself have someone to, to give you music to listen to or maybe tell you to take breathing exercises? No, I didn't have. I didn't have anyone to give me those uh, tips. But what I would do whenever I get attacks is I would hold my mother's hand and I wouldn't let it go. But I'm also grateful that she, has, she would always be there, you know. She would sit there and wait for me till the pain goes away. So, yeah, I guess in a way we would go through the same pain together. Does, does your little sister also ask for, for hand-holding? Yes, she does a lot. <laughs> That's touching. How has this lockdown or maybe the pandemic as a whole affected you? Well, obviously, during the pandemic, there's fear. First of all, there's fear to go to the hospital and... Uh, tell that, okay, like, because of the fear of COVID-19, if you go to the hospital and contract it, it makes it hard for you as a sickler, you know? Then, secondly, there's the LDUs trying to enforce um, the, the, the SOPs. They don't want you to, to move on the road. But now, this is an emergency. You're trying to rush to the hospital. It's hard to stop and, has, to stop and start explaining to them, you know? You, there's no time to go to the chairman's place to get a letter, you know. This man is stopping you and trying to take away your car. You understand? He doesn't want to listen to any excuses. He wants you to bribe him so that he can let you go. It doesn't mean fair. So now what we do, we just, when we get attacks, we learn to get a way to manage it at home, you know. Trying to, uh, we have gotten ways to prevent it before it happens. You understand? So yeah, we struggle like that. But we move. Should we say your family is, is somehow stable that you can manage this? Well, I would say my family is well off. But again, I will say it's mainly the support that my parents have been given. The people that God has put around me have been really good, you know. They've been really good to us. They have always been there to support us you know, financially, you know, to buy for me stuff whenever I'm in need. My uncle is there to help, you know. So my parents only have to worry about tuition and school fees. They don't need to worry about the emotional support, you know. They, uh, they're always, they're, my uncles and aunties are always there to support us. So yeah, that's something to be grateful for. How frequent you spoke about uh about this whole condition and then the interview as uh, finding hope in a checkered life. Uh, yes. Would you, would you give more light on that? Well, um, it's a, a tough experience living with chronic disease. Any chronic disease, it's a very big challenge. You can't handle the cold. The heat affects you. Uh, you can't eat certain foods. Um, you can't manage rigorous activity. Fatigue gives you attacks. It's a very uh, checkered experience, I would say. And um, it's painful to live through that. So um, the hope I've found within this is that there's always a tomorrow. You know, there are times when I would think, oh, my life won't go that far. Since people are telling me I would live to 15 years, I'm, first, I'm taking all the resources that my parents have. How will I survive? You know? I'm only here to, I, can only, I can't do anything what to help my parents, you know. But then uh, I learned that 
after reaching this age, the age I'm in right now, after achieving everything that I've achieved right now, you know, doing a bachelor's degree, um, staying in school, you know, throughout all the hard times, um, having all this experience that a normal child has had, you know, it has given me hope that I can live through the tough times, you know. There is a chance for you to go through the tough times because God doesn't abandon his people. He knows what he's doing. God wasn't, um, we can't say God was dumb when he gave me sickle cells. He knew exactly what he was doing. Because it has become, as I look at it, as I review my life, I learned that it has become uh, a blessing for me to have sickle cells. Because I've survived canes, you know. <laughs> I don't want to get caned at school. Um, it has helped me survive boarding school, you know. There's always boarding school in Uganda. So I've always been in day. I've always eaten lavishly, you know. Eating at home is, you know, is good. That's good to see that you have a positive side to it. Though most people don't say that, but uh, that's uh Yeah, I understand. You are you are too opinionated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's 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 look at your favorite moment with any friend in a in a few seconds. What would you say was your favorite moment with a friend? Not well, video games. Well, my favorite moment with a friend was probably the time I was working at the standard with Andrew. You know, we would have would have fun, the Wi-Fi, you know, and then the food we would eat every time at lunch and the juice, you know, take me back to that time. But that wasn't it was food, so it was just a Hyrolex. It was it doesn't matter. It was just so good at that time that I felt normal. I was working, you know. I had um I actually had a reason to live, you know. I was working, I could I was writing stories at the time. You guys would pitch in ideas for me and would you would help each other, we would work together, we would interview people together. It was so nice at the time. But obviously now the COVID nineteen came and spoiled everything. But yeah, overall it was a good situation for us. And I hope that one day we shall also be the same to something um equivalent to that would happen. Well, sure. The fact that you've lived to this age and you've not died before 15, as people used to say, means you have a lot to do in the future. Yes, yeah. definitely. You have a reason to live. So what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote? I know you're a reader. My favorite quote from mm. a book? Anywhere. Video games, um, books, anywhere. My favorite quote is from uh, The Last of Us. When Joel and Ellie survive the tunnel, and when they survive that falling building, and then they come out, and Ellie is obviously positive. She says, you see, we've survived that, you know, and Joel is quick to say, it's called luck, and it will run out. But, you know, he says it not knowing what's going to happen at the end of the game, you know. He manages to go, to walk uh, across the United States of America to reach their destination, and they survive in a zombie-infested world, you know? And that's a positive thing to me. Even when things look dark, even when it seems like you have luck at that point, it's just about luck at that point, you don't know what's ahead. So it's better to live on until that time and find out on your own how is it going to be in the future, you know? If things are tough now and you can't see a possibility of them getting easier in the future, you have to tighten your heart and say, 
God will be there for me. You have to pray and say, tomorrow I'll be living, you know. I'll have the good things tomorrow, even though it's hard right now. So it's just about living on. We have no choice but to live, even though there's challenges in our lives, even though I have sickle cells in my life. Hmm? No matter how negative hmm, the jewels would be and say, uh, just luck and it will run out, you know. I'm still going to keep on pushing. I've pushed since childhood and I'm here. I'm going to graduate next year and I'll keep on going from there. And I plan even where I reach in future. If God takes me there, I plan also to keep on moving. We were told that inspiration has to be positive all the time. And from a negative comment, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. too independent of a thought, you know. Yes. Uh, I, I really love that. And thank you for being here. Yeah, you're welcome to. Yeah. I am Enoch Wanderema, a student of journalism at Uganda Christian University in Uganda as well. And if you have a comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast on a story of transformation, send an email to hoptalks at davidsucc.net. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.